Tonight is Tuesday, August the 14th, 1979, and we are still dealing with the renewed mind, the key to power. Tonight, the battlefield, the mind. <laughs> the senses, the mind, reason, they are the servants of the real man, the true man, which is spirit. God is spirit. John 4, 24, remember? And God can only communicate with what he is. Things in the natural world may be known by the five senses. You could take this microphone into a laboratory. You could analyze it. You might, I know you could come up with telling me where the components came from because this is something in the senses world. You could take this Bible into a laboratory and you can analyze it and you can come up with where the things came from. You see, things in the natural world or senses world may be known by the five senses. Those of you that were at the advanced class, I'm sure, received tremendous understanding or enlarged understanding when we talked about Christian healing or healing from the Word. You never give a treatment. That's a bunch of balloons. You never analyze. Certain other groups may talk about giving treatments. But I know the medical profession. We have many great doctors and so forth in our ministry. The medical profession analyzes. They do a blood, they take some blood and they take it into the laboratory. They can analyze. You as a Christian cannot analyze. You don't analyze. If you get any thing at all, it has to be spiritually given. It's not that I lay hands on someone to minister to them to analyze what's wrong with them. That's a doctor's job. That's in the natural man senses category. I am not a doctor. I don't know anything about medicine. So if I get anything, I have to spiritually ascertain it, not analyze spiritually ascertained. Things in the natural world may be known by the five senses, but by sheer logic class, things of the spirit world can only be known how. There it is. You could take these things into laboratory, analyze it. But Things, the greatest things in life, class, are not things that you can analyze. They're in, they're in the spirit realm. It's just fantastic when you see these truths and you begin to work them in your heart and life. You, the love you have for God and God has for you, 
the love I have for you, you have for me. What laboratory are you going to take it into? Some of you have heard me tell the story of a young man in love with a lady. He can't take her love and put it in a test tube, put it on a Bunsen burner and come out with hot love. You just don't get it that way, I guess. See, things in the natural world may be known by the five senses. Things in the spiritual world must be known via the Spirit. God is what? Therefore, if you're born again and you have Christ in you, the hope of glory filled with God's Spirit, God being what? Could do what? Speak to that Spirit. Provide you know how to hear. How to see, smell, taste, and touch spiritually. You understand? However, God who is spirit, if he gives information and it is recorded, written down, that revelation which is recorded may be known via the five senses. Here is the revelation of God. God, who is spirit, gave it to holy men of God who spake and who did what? Wrote. That's how we got God, who is spirit, into concretion via his revelation. And this is terrific because the natural man is only a man of body and what? Could he receive spirit? Therefore, God had to put it in writing so the natural man could read it. The natural man of body and soul can read this class. And when the man, the natural man of body and soul reads it, he believes it up here in his mind where the battlefield is. He believes up here what he reads here then God goes to work in the miracle of all miracles. And when that man comes to that place or that woman, that he or she confesses with their mouth that they believe God raised him from the dead and that he is their Lord, they are what? Which is Christ in them, the hope of glory. And when Christ comes in, they now have spirit. Then they are body, soul, and what? Boy, look at the logic and the beauty of that. God never oversteps any of his laws. Revelation recorded may be known via the five senses. All other revelation must be via what? Spirit. And God is what? And when you have his spirit in you, then God can do what? Talk to you. He can walk with you. He can talk with you. Will that revelation be more genuine than this? Can't be. Same God. The author, the author of the word is God. The author of all revelation is God. There are many writers in the book. There are many writers to the word, ma'am. Many writers, but there's only one what? 
author. That's God. Right. Boy, pretty neat. Now let's pick it up once again. Because I'm just challenging you to sit there and logically think some things through. Revelation that's recorded may be known by, via the five what? So could a rank unbeliever read the Bible? The fellow who doesn't believe there's a God in heaven, much less cares, could he quote you a verse of Scripture? Why? It's here. Any jerk can read it. <laughs> Any stupid, right? Why sh Come on, people, this is so simple, and I have the great joy of teaching it. Isn't that something? That's why many times men will quote you scripture who don't believe one word they're saying. They're simply mouthing it. There's a, there's a great difference between mouthing the word and having it in the heart. Many times, you know that. Well, now watch it. Next step. All other revelation, all other revelation. Man, when I say all, do you know what I mean? And that's not soap, baby. That's all. All other revelation. All other revelation that a man would receive would have to come via the what? Spirit. But, but, true revelation from the true God would never dare to contradict the revelation that's already written. If it contradicts, then it, the revelation could not be from whom? The true God. That's why here is your checkpoint. This is your point of contact. Here's your evaluation regarding everything so-called religious or spiritual that you ever see or hear or that's taught to you. This is your checkpoint. Everything religious or spiritual that you see or hear with which you're confronted, you go back to the Word to see if it's genuine or counterfeit. And ladies and gentlemen, the counterfeit is so closely aligned to the genuine you have to again go back and study to show yourself approved unto God as workmen who need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word, or half the time or more you're going to believe counterfeit. Because there is a lot more testimony visible along the counterfeit line usually than the genuine. So if you go by your senses, you're going to get screwed up. You've got to come back to the Word. The battlefield is the mind. Because everything that comes to the mind comes by way of one of the five senses or via the Spirit. If God gives it to His Spirit in you, where is your Spirit? His Spirit in you. It's His gift to you. Where is it? It's all through you. And part of you is mine. Howard, have you got some books or something I can put over this air conditioning over here? 
I'm not worried about my coat, but it's blowing the leaves on my Bible, and I got to read that thing. <laughs> huh? Good. Turn it off a while. Thank you. That quits blowing. <laughs> it's like that fellow that was preaching at all those notes, and all at once his notes fell away, and he kept coming, and he was preaching, and I come unto thee, Lord, and all at once the pulpit went over, and he went down the floor. <laughs> Another fella, he was teaching about Genesis, Adam and Eve, and he couldn't find the spot, and he said, somebody moved the leaf. So. <laughs> Do you know why they didn't play cards on Noah's Ark? You Noah know sat on the deck, you know that? Say, okay. <laughs> Uh, shoot, yeah. I think I was talking to you about Revelation or something. There are two gods, the Bible says. One is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The other is the God of what? That's right. And both gods give revelation. The God of this world has a bunch of spirits running around, and they, you know, get into people, and we have automatic writing, for instance. Wow, yeah. The neatest one I ever saw, and I love this, great learning, two pieces of slate like your children have when they're young, about this big, have slate. Two little pieces of slate, this big, and the, the seance gal put a piece of chalk, white chalk, in between two slates, then she wrapped rope around it so that there just could be no shenanigans, you know. It's got to be scientifically accurate. It's, it's in the census world, and we're so, it just, you cannot cheat no matter what happens. So it's got to be real great stuff. So they wrap a rope around it, tie it in three knots, lay it down, and then they got the question for the spirit. Uh... Who does this ring belong to? And then I sit there, and this is what I hear. Shh. The Spirit's writing the answer. Inside of those two pieces of slate tightly tied with a rope. Yeah. So she unwraps it, and there is the answer to the question of who owns this ring. I've been through all that stuff. And I tell you, this thing, the word is fantastic. So I check it against the word. Let's see now, whose ring is this? Oh, hell, come on. I don't have to ask anybody. I know whose ring it is. It's mine. <laughs> huh? Yeah. And then, you know, uh, Let's see, uh, Maggie Muggins is in here. Oh, please give us revelation. Where does Maggie live? So you hear it? Telephone number. Open up the slate. There is Maggie's house number, street number, telephone number. Look, Maggie knows where she lives. What's the profit in it? <laughs> I like my brother Reuben over here, sitting over there with my Rhoda. 
That's my brother, physical and spiritual. My brother Reuben, you'll meet him someday. He's great. <laughs> you ought to. He's got the best sense of humor in the Whirlwell family or something. Occasionally I have to bring him a little red man, but he's okay. <laughs> he's the only fellow that runs a filling station with an overstuffed chair that he can lean back in and go sleep in. <laughs> Upholstered, too. Real neat. My brother Reuben, the other year, someplace, I forget where this was, he walked up to a fella, he shook his hand, and he said, I'm Reuben Werwell. I guess you know your name. <laughs> oh, So whenever people have revelation, whenever there is revelation, you always have to check it by the word, else you're going to miss it. The battlefield is the mind. Human tendency will be, oh, that's such a wonderful person. He has his PhD. He's totally qualified. Oh, my, lots of people reverence him. Don't mean one hill of beans and a hailstorm if he contradicts what the word says. Because this is the written revelation of God, and this checks everything by it. I've been trying to find out since the advanced class what issue of the National Enquirer that was that I read the great prophecies of the saints out of for the next six months. Any of you remember that night? Any of you at the advanced class? A few of you. One day or night, I read the prophecies, or some of them, for the next six months that the National Enquirer had all these great prophets in America. And we picked out one because we have terrific responsibility in that city. I think it was Oklahoma City. It was supposed to have a fantastic tornado. The whole thing was supposed to be ripped up. She even gave the date. Well, this happens to be August the 14th. It hasn't come to pass yet. Right. You know why I want that man or woman's name? I want to write them a letter. I want to say, dear madam or dear sir, whatever I'm going to say, uh, in National Enquirer, I see on such and such a day, they listed your prophecy that Oklahoma City territory was going to have a fantastic tornado. It's going to blow away. For some reason or other, it hasn't blown. And I want to remind them that we had a bunch of believers called the way people living in that part of the state and country and city. And then I'm going to end up by saying, quoting them the scripture that says, if a man or a woman prophesies and it doesn't come to pass, they are false prophets. That's what I'm saying. Look, people, you check things by the word, right? People, you just got to get into that battlefield of your mind and control it. You determine what you're going to do with your mind. Well, bring your mind back to the Word. This thing is truth. This is God's will. It's God's Word. 
you bring yourself back to the Word. And every revelation, every revelation must be checked by the Word. A number of years ago, an outstanding clergyman in the United States on a public platform made the statement that he saw his dead father coming down the aisle with the choir and seated with the choir on a Sunday morning. Later on, he and I were together and I questioned him on it. A month or two later, I said, Sir, how can that be? The Bible says that when people die, they're dead. And there is no reappearance of them. And he looked me straight in the eye and he says, I don't care what the Bible says. I saw it with my own eyes. Where did he get tricked? Where did he get tricked? By his senses, he didn't check against the revealed word. I have no doubt that his father came down the aisle with the choir, but it wasn't his father. It was the impersonation spirit of his father, and he got fooled because he didn't understand the word, nor devil spirits, nor all, any of that stuff. You see, the battlefield is what? And by the way, to this day, he hasn't changed his opinion. And it is in his monthly magazine that time and time again, he writes about the other world and people that come back and talk about well, it's his responsibility. But I'm responsible to God for you people and for what I teach from this teaching platform or any other place I teach. So anything, people, anything that contradicts the accuracy of God's word has to come from the other God. For the true God could not deny himself. He cannot contradict himself. The true God cannot say one thing one place and say something absolutely contradictory at another. It's impossible. Well, he doesn't. And as far as I'm concerned, class, seeking knowledge apart from God's word, God's revelation of himself is absolutely sheer folly. I take you to Psalm 12. Psalm 12, the words, verse 6, everybody's eye in the word, got it? Psalm 12, verse 6, the words of the Lord are what? Pure words, pure. And that word pure is not one iota of any strange body in it. It is so pure that there is absolutely not one iota of impurity in it. The words of the Lord are what? They are as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified to perfection. That's why seven is there. Seven times. The words of the Lord are what class? 
And these are the words of the Lord. This is the word of God, but the W-O-R-D of God is made up of W-O-R-D-S of God. And they are what kind of words? Now look, a man in the census, a man in the census world says, I don't believe that. Well, it's his privilege. That's right. It's his privilege. Wants to be stupid, he can be stupid. It's his privilege. But for those of us who believe in the true God, this is his textbook, then what do I believe about the Word of God? That they are what? Pure what? Words. They're pure words. They're not counterfeit. They're true words. And up until I got to the Word of God, I had a lot of mind concepts, a lot of thoughts. Now I start putting the Word on, and you know what happens in my mind? Conflict. Conflict. Because the battlefield is what? The mind. So if you've been taught wrongly, and someone introduces the purity of the Word, sir, what happens to your head? It kicks up the dust. And the first thing you do is say, hey, I wonder if that's counterfeit. You've got to counterfeit up here, but the truth hits it. Look, people sometimes eat such rotten food that when you start giving them good food, they get sick physically. That's right. Physically, that's true. If you're used to eating hogwash nothing, and somebody gives you the beautiful steak or something, you're going to get sicker than a dog. It's not the food, it's you. The purity of the food is too good, so your stomach reacts against it. Oh, friend Rufus Mosley, bless his heart. They put him into some hospital because he had ulcers or something years and years ago. And Rufus finally said, look, there was a, nothing wrong with my stomach. He said, the only thing my stomach was trying to do to react and to tell me how rotten the stuff was I was putting in it. That's all. So, nothing wrong with his stomach. He was just reacting to the stuff he put in it. When you take men, and the older you get, the more difficult it is to hit them in the head with the word. You know, if you're 25, 35, 40 years, 50 years of age, man, the longer you live, Without a knowledge of God's word, the harder your head gets inside. And you've got more stuff that you keep feeding in it every day. So when you hit people with the accuracy of the word, and I understand this, it takes a lot more love with a 45, 50-year-old man or woman than it does a 12-year-old child. The 12-year-old child hasn't got all that crap in their head, all that baloney. So they don't have such a big battlefield. We adult adults fight like cats and dogs when it's first introduced. So it takes a lot of grace and a lot of love and a lot of stand just to get to that battlefield and push the word in there. But finally, when you begin to accept the word, which are pure words, and it cleans all the attic of your mind, cleans it all out, I want to tell you people, it's like a breath of sunshine, isn't it? 
man, your mind is clear again, your body feels good, and you feel like you've been spiritually bathed all over inside every which way. And once again, you stand up, throw your shoulders back, and you know you're a man's man or you're a woman's woman. You just know because you have taken the pure words of God's word and replaced it in your mind with all the error and the baloney and the junk you had up there. You've cleared out the attic of your mind. This is the battlefield, people. And as long as you live, the battlefield will be your mind. Long as you live. Your only problem will be above your shoulders, your mind. That one you have to handle. That one you are in absolute control. That one you handle. You see, that's why I keep driving free will. You just never let anybody touch your free will. And when you allow yourself to be hypnotized, you have given away your free will. I never let anybody touch my mind. That's right. Just let nobody touch it. There's a lot of difference between being hypnotized and then taking, uh, what do you call it, in a hospital, an anesthetic, where they put you out. A lot of difference, a lot of difference. The battlefield is your mind, but maybe you never let anybody control that because you have freedom of will. You make the decision. Then you can make the decision for God and you can walk like a son or daughter of God, like a son of God. And once again, you can represent God upon this earth, people. Boy, I tell you, this stuff's fantastic. <laughs> You're wonderful. They are pure words. Look, this is a testimony of the word. I'm not reading you what Weirwill said. I'm not reading you what any other clergy or theologian may have said. I am reading to you from the rule book and reg book. Rules and regulations of God's spiritual ballgame. Look at Psalm 119. I don't know if anybody ever read this psalm. It's usually too long. The word is mentioned, I believe, in every verse. Psalm 119, uh, verse 162. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great what? Spoil. He said, I rejoice at the word, not at a man's opinion, not at anything else, but he rejoiced at one thing, what? The word rejoiced at the word as a man finding great spoil. Now, this doesn't mean so much to an Occidental or Western mind because generally you don't hide your things in the ground. But here in the East, the Bible's an Eastern book. You've got to understand Eastern culture. They would hide their treasure in the ground. And occasionally somebody run across that. Bo Reard teaches this. In his Oriental class, uh, they'd run across that, and they run across a big treasure, and they get so tickled about it. Here he's talking about the Word of God. I rejoice at thy word as one who findeth great what? That's how happy he was about the word. Do you rejoice at the word? You sure must, or you wouldn't come to rock. 
I know you don't come here because I'm so good looking. That's for sure. And that we have the best hamburgers and natural pizzas on ground. I think you come, people, because you're hungry in your heart and you know it's the Word's going to be here. We'll sooner or later get to the Word. We may mess around picking up straw, cutting down leaves or something, but just hang in there, baby. Sooner or later it'll be the Word. It's always the Word at the Way International, always the Word. And this Word thrills you. When you hear this Word, you get electrified. It turns you on. Because they're what kind of words? Pure words. And when we hear that word, we rejoice. Rejoice. You know, you can't rejoice until you first joy in it. So you get born again and you start putting on the mind of Christ, working the word in your mind. And then you get more and more of the word. And every time you hear the word, what do you do? Rejoice. Turn. Can't re you can't rejoice, ma'am, until you first joy, right? Right. <laughs> the couple had twins. The first one they called Pete and the second one repeat. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose the wine garners, <clears throat> Bill and Mary might call it the wonder boy of the rock or something, being born today or something. You can't rejoice till you first what? And here, they rejoiced at the word. They rejoiced at it. It's not just a one-time deal. Somebody said to me a while back, they couldn't understand how I could get so excited about teaching Acts 2 every time. Well, every time I teach Acts 2, it's like I'm teaching it the first time. I get so tickled teaching it, you know, if I had more hands, I could scratch myself at more places. I get so excited about it. <laughs> I rejoice at thy word. Rejoice at the word. Not at man's opinion, sir, the word, but rejoice at what? That's what the word said. This is its own testimony. This is the primary witness to God. The word, the word, the word. Everything else secondary. Yeah, look at Psalm 138, verse 2. Most of you won't need this. But here it is. I'm going to read it to you from the book. I will worship, verse 2, toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy what? For thou, talking about God, for thou, O God, hast magnified thy word above all thy what? You know what it says? I used to say God said his word above his name and somebody corrected me. Thank God. They corrected me. And they said it doesn't say he said it above his name. And it doesn't. It says what? Uh, that's right. says magnified, right? Uh, look, here, here's his name. Right here, this represents his name. That would be what? Set above his name. That's not what the word is. He magnified it. <laughs> that, that, that's it. That's he magnified his word above his what? You know what that means? That means God 
underwrites it. God puts his John Henry at the bottom of the check. It is signed, the word of God is signed by God Almighty who created the heavens and the earth. He, he, he set his name under his word. He magnified his word above his name, which means he underwrites the whole thing. That's, that's this tremendous Psalm 138. This is a testimony of the word regarding the word. Look at Jeremiah. I just picked out a few. Boy, you could just spend the whole week doing nothing but working the word along the greatness of the battlefield of the mind. The battlefield, the mind, and how you got to put the word on up there. We put too much other junk up there. Everything that hits your mind hits it. So if you sit down here and you read a negative newspaper, what goes to your mind? You watch a negative TV show, what goes to your mind? By the way, there's a new book out, Four Major Arguments for the Elimination of Television All Over the World. It's a great piece of work. <laughs> and I, you know, in the last couple months, years even, People get so angry because in the foundational class, I think, I ask you just to put your other reading material aside for a period. I don't even remember how long. Any of you remember? Three months? And I guarantee you, if you'll do it and study the word, you'll come out of that thing not knowing yourself. And you know what they say to me? You're behind the times. You don't know what's going on in the world. I'll make you a bet. You don't need to read a newspaper for the next three months, and when you pick it up, it'll be just as negative three months from now <laughs> as it is today. But I will add a little more to it. The tendency is it may be more negative, but it'll never be better. It's not going to say in the headlines, God's word is God's will today. <laughs> It's not going to say he magnified his word above all his names. Senators, read the word. They say we're not with it. That's a matter of opinion. Maybe we are the ones that are with it. And they're the ones that aren't. Let God decide, okay with me, I'll stick by the book. Because I'm pretty sure when it's all said and done, God's judgment his rewards and everything will be according to the written record in the Word. And one of the reasons I know that, ladies and gentlemen, because I am born again. And I've got the proof in the census world to the man who has ears to hear and eyes to see or something. And nobody, nobody could speak in tongues by the freedom of his will if he isn't born again. And to be born again, God had to raise him. <laughs> Last night in New Knoxville, he taught how Jesus Christ raised himself. Uh, I don't know how they do all this stuff. but <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, you're dead and you raise yourself. The logic of the human mind just beats me. 
I've got tremendous problems with that stuff at times. You know, I'm eating an ice cream cone, but I find out it's a microphone. God, there's <laughs> You know, when you get so stupid that you don't know the difference between an ice cream cone and a microphone and you're eating it, it gets laughable, doesn't it? If it wasn't so pitiful, I don't know what I'd do about it, but it just blows you. Well, bless the Lord. He magnified his word above what? That's what the word says. So God has a pretty good opinion of his word. Well, you better get that same opinion of the word that God has and quit fighting the word. The battlefield of your mind. The reason you don't accept God's word is only twofold. Either number one, it's not available. Number two, you don't want to. Simple as that. And if it's not available, let's go to work and get it available. Go find the place where some word is being taught and dig into it. Then study to show yourself approved, rightly dividing it. You've got to get to the place and work in the Word of God to eat your own food. You don't let somebody else, you know, get your breakfast cereal in your mouth and chew it and then take it out and give it to you, do you? <laughs> Big piece of steak you chew on a while and then take it out and give it to somebody else. Physically, you eat your own food. Why don't you do it spiritually? You will. You ought to. That's what God intended. God intended for every born-again believer to work the word so that he or she can eat the food of the greatness of God's word on their own, that nobody else needs to chew it for you and give it to you in little itty-bitsy pieces. Jeremiah, did I say, or did we read that? We're going to. 15. Bless your heart. Jerry. This is Jerry. 15. Patriotic book is I say, can you see? Jeremiah. 15. Verse 16. Listen to this. Thy words were what? Uh, they had been lost, you know, under the destruction of the temple. They'd all been turned under and nobody had the word left. So they were digging and they found the words. The words were what? And I did eat them. I did eat them. That doesn't mean that he chewed on the scrolls. It meant that he put them in his heart. He not only put them in his mind, he put them through his body. And he assimilated the food. Assimilation. You know, putting all that food in your body doesn't, make, doesn't help you much. It's what you assimilate that really gets into your body. It counts, right? You know, you just, because you're hungry, you just don't go fill your stupid stomach so you're no longer hungry. You put the right stuff in the stomach, the right food in the stomach, so that when it's digested, your body can assimilate it and give you great strength. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. I assimilated them. I ate them. And if the American people, just literally believers, carried this out, they'd spend at least three, almost two hours at least every day eating. 
And if you count the time in front of the TV, it might go up to five hours a day. Eating the word. You know, sit down at night and get a beer and pretzels and potato chips, pizza, and watch stupid stupidity for a while. Hey, he ate the what? Most of you people eat breakfast, dinner, and supper, right? Now, if we spend as much time eating God's word as you spend eating physical food, some of our broadness would show up spiritually. <laughs> You're lucky I got a terrible sense of humor. <laughs> hey, and the word. And thy word, thy word, not what somebody said about it. God's pure word. Thy word was unto me the joy, that's first, and the what? Of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord, God of what? Have you been called by his name? Amen. So the word. The word has been found. The word is available today. So the word, the word should be for you the joy and what? That's why you're at the rock. It is. That's right. Let's, let's go to, let's go to a church epistle that's got your name on it to see if it's still true. First Corinthians. Acts, Romans, Corinthians. First Corinthians, bless your heart, chapter 2. Verse 13. Which things also we speak, not with, or in, is the, is the King James with is the text, not with the words which man's wisdom teaches, but with the words it's an omission. The omission is a figure to put the emphasis with the words on the first emphasis. With the words which man's wisdom teaches. It's not there. Usually it's man's wisdom, his words that take the place up there. This verse says, we speak not with the words which man's wisdom teaches, but <laughs> and the the ellipsis has to be supplied in your mind and the ellipsis is but with the words which the spirit panuma hagion is in here the in in king james the holy ghost the literal text reads words which the Spirit, capital S, God teaches. There it is. Comparing spiritual things with what? So you compare spiritual things from the Word with other spiritual things. It's not with man's wisdom. We do not speak the words of man's wisdom but the word which the Holy Ghost, which the Spirit God teaches. That's what we receive and speak. In First Thessalonians, also another great church epistle addressed to you. 
First Thessalonians chapter 2. Chapter 2, class, First Thessalonians. Chapter 2, verse 13. For this cause also thank we whom? Without ceasing. Because when you received, when you decomide spiritually received the word, the logos of God, which you heard of us, you spiritually received it not as the word of what? But as it is in truth, the word of what? Which effectually worketh also in you that do one thing with that word and what? That's why the battlefield, the mind. Because all believing, honey, starts in the head. That's where it starts. You believe to come to the Rock of Ages because that's where you made the decision. Boy, this verse just sits like a diamond and teaches. Thank God. Without ceasing, which means just continually thanking God time and time again. Because when you receive the word of God, you got to hear it from somebody or you got to read it. You received it not as the word of men. It's, it, you could receive it as a word of men. You could say, look, what Dr. Rearwell's doing tonight's just old VP. I've been accused of that before, having Rearwell's interpretation, you know, all that crap. But look, I'm reading it to you. I'm just reading what's written. You heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of what? Now to find out if it's the word of God, try it out, believe it. For it works effectually in those who do what? That's what it says. Second Peter chapter 1. Hebrews, James, 1st, 2nd Peter, chapter 1. 2nd Peter, chapter 1, verse 3. According as his divine what? Hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through or by means of, by way of the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and what? He hath given us all things. The greatest thing God gave us is his word. That's the only thing the Bible says he magnified above all his name. And that word holds in it for any believer all things that pertain to life and godliness. And you acquire it by renewing your mind through the knowledge up here of him who called us to glory and virtue. Virtue is power. Flip back to 2 Timothy, please. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Timothy. We're headed back toward Genesis now. 2 Timothy chapter 4, class. Look at verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure 
right teaching, sound doctrine, right teaching, but after their own lusts, after their own what? Shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears? And these teachers, verse 4, shall turn away the people that they teach their ears from the what? Truth. And they're going to, you cannot leave a void in the heart of a man. There has to always be something put in there. It's going to either be truth or error. Truth or he's going to turn them unto error. Uh, fables, fiction. Man cannot spiritually remain, generally speaking, a vacuum. For man was made to be body, soul, and spirit. And the man truly is never at home until he's home with the true God. Look at the greatness of that again. They're not going to endure right teaching. They're going to object to it. But after their own lust, they're going to heap to themselves teachers that have itching ears. They're going to turn them from the truth, from the truth of the purity of the greatness of God's word unto fiction, fables, myths, interpolations of the word. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 10 rather, 2 Corinthians 10. Verse 4, chapter 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not what? Carnal. But mighty through God to pulling down of strongholds. Pulling down of strongholds. A man's body is controlled and ruled by his what? That's the stronghold. The mind. The mind. The battlefield, the mind, that's the stronghold. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty by way of God to pulling down the stronghold. Casting down, verse 5, casting down. Reasonings is the word imagination. Casting down, pulling down strongholds is a, a war type of term. Built these big castles, then they put the stuff on top of the walls. And when the enemy would come in, they'd grab, they'd run the elephants in the doors and on the stuff. And then they would pull down the stronghold. But while they were doing that, the enemy would pour on them hot oil, boiling oil, all of that, big stones. Casting down reasonings, that's the picture. You pull down the stronghold. You cast down reasonings. What kind of reasonings do you throw out? That which is no longer valuable to protect you from the enemy. You get rid of it. In other words, you put off the old man up here. You get rid of your negative, bad thoughts. 
You determine what you're going to think, man. You put up on here what you want to put up on here. So you cast down your reasonings, your reasonings. Because no man can reason God. You've got to go to the word of God and you cast down your reasonings. You come back to the word. And every false thing, the word high is the word false in the text. Cast down every false thing from your mind that exalteth itself against the knowledge of what? And bring into captivity. You cast down. You, by the freedom of your will, bring into captivity. No individual brings you into captivity. You, by the freedom of your mind, control your own mind, and you bring your mind into captivity. You tell your stupid mind, now listen, you stupid mind, track. You get yourself by the seat of the pants and say, look, do what you're supposed to do. You old head, get in line with this thing. All right. Bringing into captivity, look at here, every what? Thought. Boy, that's renewed mind. Bringing into captivity every thought 